Material Components Episode 7 Flame and Wax Greetings and welcome to Material Components, the actual play podcast about intelligent items and the adventurers who love them. I am your dungeon master, Mike Gorgoni, and joining me always are my usually decent and high energy adventurers. Hello, adventurers. <laughs> Can I get hey, my caffeine. Hey, thanks. That was, that was great. What a weird burn, but all right. No, that's <laughs> fine. Some of us be sleepy. <laughs> Uh, hello, I am Olivia, and I will be playing Tears of Cloakbearer, uh, Child of the Outer Storm. Um, I am Elliot, and I will be playing Cherish, the Tiefling Sorcerer. I am Michael, and I am playing Sid, the Half-Elf uh, Rogue. Hey, I'm Reed, and I'll be playing Grawl, the Hobgoblin Warlock. Indeed. So... To begin this adventure, I would like to ask the same question I ask at the beginning of every adventure, and that is, do you all remember what happened last time? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sometimes. good. Yeah, we do. So <laughs> yeah, so let's go. move on. Oh, yeah. yeah, this is also an auditory medium. Great. Uh, right. <laughs> an adventure. Adventure. Yes. Adventure. You had set out from the Tempest Rest on your first steps of adventure into a bold new world that we've sort of been exploring in the periphery for the first chunk of the campaign. But as of last session, we have left the bounds of Stormhaven, gotten away from all of those nasty trials that that just rascally skein witch was putting on all of you, and started off on a big grand journey northward. Yeah. Well, I lost, we lost you there for everything. Yeah, we we all <laughs> lost you. Oh, good. I think the last thing I heard was rascally skein witch. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Can you do it in an Elmer Fudd voice this time? Though? I was just about to say, so wascally. Awesome. Yeah. That wascally witch. <laughs> so, you had left Stormhaven. What else had occurred? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, Grawl. Minding his own business out front uh, before we were getting ready to go out on our adventure, was attacked by some random evildoer um, with a dagger. And because Grawl don't stand for that crap, um, just decided to, you know, uh, cut down his issues. Bad joke. Um, yeah, I cut him in half and then we boogied out of town. It's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that person what? was from the that cult, right? Yeah, was he just a random evildoer? I feel like that was that's the opposite of random. Very specifically from the yeah. cult, who doesn't seem to like us for some reason. Right, but we found out he was from the cult after the that the the cutting the happened. cutting in half. Yeah, that's the right. behalfening. Yeah, as it were, bisecting Bi- bifurcation. Bi- the bifurcation. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, we did run in. Well, Sid ran into another one of those on the mm-hmm. first our first night of camping. Yeah, camping, camping. Uh, and then yeah, the following day, um, we kind of like there was an ambush waiting for us, but we were ready for it. Uh, we dispatched most of them, um, and captured the leader. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you had run into a bit of a barricade set up by some bandits on the road to Wickmore's Landing. On your way there, you said, hey, that's suspicious. Let's not run headfirst into that. Good Wait, job no, on that one. Smart, probably the smartest thing we've ever done. Could Didn't be. we run headfirst into that, though? Like, <laughs> after we stopped yeah, and said, we, like, no, we did. We're good. They we went, did, but then I we... appeared out of nowhere and surprised them. And also shouted surprise, which is how you know. It was you ran headfirst into it strategically. Yes. yes. I did set some stuff on fire first. Yes. Which is always important. Yes. Which is great. But those bandits may not have been bandits at all because the character who led them was casting spells and talking about five mothers and doing all sorts of evil malarkey. So, rather than killing this cultist, as was your habit up until then, and sort of what I was counting on you doing, you decided to <laughs> capture this motherfucker. Yeah. You're welcome. We like friends. So, we pick up now with the four of you, backlit by a pyre of burning carts, standing over a defiant, wild-eyed cultist tied up and on the ground before you. Okay. Cool. Um, I immediately know what I'm gonna, do, what I want to do. So, unless anyone else is ready, I'm just gonna go for it. Oh, I was, I, ah, you do your thing first. <laughs> Don't <laughs> kill you him yet. I hope it's oh wait shit no um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to roll an intimidation uh, check okay wait what's your just curious what's your intimidation um it's plus three okay okay because it's my charisma dog it's a plus six well you know what no I just we, like you and I we got this yeah <laughs> good cop bad cop yeah roll cop it's an eight, though. I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. It's just probably not going to work. Um, so, Cherish, I don't know where we're all standing, but, like, basically Cherish... Basically surrounding him. Yeah, yeah, Cherish basically, like, grabs the dude by his uh, collar or whatever suffices for it and says, Oh, what? You Azita Haka fuckers didn't, like, get enough from me already? You say that out loud? Yes. All right. Um... So, you've grabbed this bandit-looking person by their collar of their patchy leather armor and dragged them up towards your face? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that is going to be a 13 versus your AC? Uh, I mean, no. Oh. It doesn't work. Whatever he's doing. Attempts to headbutt you. Oh, yeah. Cool. No. Um, yeah, dog, these are horns, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the cultist snarls and just writhes in your grasp. Um, unless anyone is holding this guy, he's going to try to wiggle away, even though he is essentially hogtied. Um, can I step on him? I feel like I already was stepping on him. Oh, okay, great. Can we all step on him, like, a little <laughs> bit? Yeah, put a right foot in. Yep. Well, that worked. Uh, the, did it? The cultist will snarl, You may as well kill me. That can be arranged. Swords out. 
I mean, all of our weapons are still out at this point. No, uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna rest the sword like on his chest, just, like as he's laying on the ground. He will try to lean into it. Oh my god! It's, Do you like, want to still... talk about it? It's not like it's not like I know it's... he he doesn't know that though. Okay. Like the blade isn't sharp enough to actually like just scythe into him. Like if yeah. it, if it was storm piercer, but this guy doesn't really care slash no. So he's just like leaning into your sword. Man, he really wants to die, uh, and I don't want to do anything that he wants to do. Um, Tirza casts zone of truth. Ooh. Okay. Yes. This requires a saving throw of some kind. Uh, yes. I believe it is from a everyone, right? well, charisma any... saving throw from anyone. Anyone in standing the in the zone. Area. Which how big is the zone of truth? It's not that big. Fifteen feet. Okay. That's no, it's all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Rad- radius, not diameter. Okay. Charisma Especially saving since throw. We're, yeah. Okay. We're all standing on <laughs> And what is the spell save DC for this? Uh, it is 13. Alright. And I will say this much, any of you who choose to can just fail the save if you want. In uh, I'm gonna try and... I don't know. It doesn't really matter, but I'm gonna try and not. Yeah, save. And I believe in the spell's description it does say you know whether or not the spell has taken effect on someone or not? Uh, yes. I do. Okay. What was, sorry, what was the spell uh, save? DC? 13. 13, okay. Great. I got a 15. Cool. Damn it. What do you want to know that Grawl hasn't told you? Uh, Cherish? It's like pretty much everything. <laughs> Cherish, Sid, what were your saves? I got a 12. 12? I got a 14, but I rolled that before you said we could choose to fail it. And I don't think Cherish is like would like try to dispute a zone of truth, so I'm just going to say that I'm not trying. Okay. So, Tirza, you know that your zone has worked on Sid, Cherish, and the cultist. And I know that it didn't work on Grawl. Yes. Um, and then I'm going to ask, how dare you call yourself a follower of Azitahaka? Yes. This... I may have lost the last little bit of that. Oh, I said, how dare you call yourself a follower of Ozzy Tahaka? Oh. uh, She is part of the triplicate. And the cultist will just snarl into, like, a little bit of a grin and say, Ozzy Tahaka burns in my veins. Uh, Okay, hold up. Um, Tears of what? Ozzy Tahaka is, um, she's a big snake. Uh, she is one of the triple goddesses of the Jarashir. Uh, and this man is clearly a heretic. I mean, he was being honest when he said that. Whatever Hazi yeah. was burnt. I'm sure. I'm sure he thinks that is tr- the truth. Maybe we should ask him more questions now that. Yeah. 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 What uh, is you know time yeah. in? Yeah. Uh, time in. Yeah. yeah. Who can ask questions? Can anyone ask questions? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm really bad at that. You just have to. Everyone has to be truthful. Mm-hmm. Except Ron. Except Ron. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, what is your purpose with us? Why are you trying to kill us? One answer. Oh, that bastard. That is the problem with Son of Truth. <laughs> He'll just look at you with your pontifications and grin an evil grin. I punch him in the face. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Just a solid whap and he takes a damage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see how much I he had left. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how to compel him to talk, guys. You're gonna have to jump in. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's ready to die, it seems like. Well, wait, so why didn't he answer? Does it only work the one? He doesn't have to. He doesn't have yeah, he doesn't to. Have to. And he, if he does if he does speak, it has to be truthful. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Okay. We could slowly remove his digits. No, that's a bad idea. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> He's not talking. It would work. It, he doesn't need him. Maybe. He tried Probably to impale him. himself on your sword, my dude. That's fine. He's not going to yeah. impale himself on it. I just got to just, like, and like, like cutting paper. Just shink, shink, one at a time. Cherish, as Grawl is saying this, a voice in your head from Maz says, It could work. And Tirza, on your shoulders, the cloak lets out just a radiating field of disgust and horror at the idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. I've, I'm with you, old man. This is not happening. We could start with his toes. He uses those less. Um, can I, like, look, uh, well, I don't know if I'd be able to, can I, like, search hit, search him if he has anything on him, like letters or you want to pat down the creepy cultist? Yeah. I do. Okay, give me an investigation roll. I'm going to use advantage because the old man approves of me. The phrasing of that one. <laughs> he got fin- me. he finally agrees with me on something. I love it. <laughs> Let's see. Florals don't count. I know, I'm using my third D20 die. <laughs> oh, good. That's good, because that one was bad. Um, 15. 15. All right. Patting down this cultist, you don't find much of anything. The burn mark on their arm is a prevalent hot scar that is almost searing to touch. Even as you run a hand over the inside of his arm, there's just like this almost feverish heat to the the brand on the inside of his arm. Is it exposed? Yes, he exposed yeah, it when I he don't... started casting spells. Yeah, I don't, I don't go near touching it. I don't like it. You you can feel it even getting close. I guess is what oh, I'm saying. Shit. Oh shit! It's gross. that hot. I hate this guy. I don't. I was going to be like, we should not murder this dude, but now I'm upset. <laughs> um. And as you're searching him, he'll say, 
you won't find what you seek. Now, are they going to come and try and rescue you? No answer. Not going to answer. If Azita Haka is a big snake lady, then what's your guys' connection to Pyre Scale? None. That I... That I know of, although I've come to realize the Jarashir do not... Uh, elaborate on kind of important information now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, I I might have to write a letter to Neta. Oh, Colt. How? What, yeah. What? What does? Um, how long does do Zone of Truth it? last? Uh, ten minutes. Ten minutes. Okay. I could do this all fucking day. Well. No, oh, ten minutes. No, ten minutes. <laughs> for, I, I can do this for ten fucking minutes. <laughs> what was your question again? I'm sorry. My question to Cherish was, what, like, what do you know about it? Why you recognized the? So the year, be- uh, the year between the first and second trials. Yes. I, don't know, I think it's it's like literally in my notes. Like, yes, look, it's between the first and second trials. It, yeah. Cherish and Grawl got kidnapped on the same year. It's yeah. amazing. Um, on the way home to Blue Gulch from the tri- the first trial, Kalkin and I were kidnapped by a group of these followers. They had the same brand on their arm, and they wanted Kalkin to make weapons for them. For, I mean, you know, for some reason, like you know, a weapon building reason, like war or something. Um, and um, I lit their shit up. I lit pointedly at <laughs> the cultists. Um, and I haven't. They, we haven't had any trouble from them since. And the Guardian Guild said they would try to keep me in the loop, but it seems they haven't really found anything. And the um, when you say that out loud, the cultist will say, "There is a fine reward for your blackened skull, Tiefling." Uh, I grab him by the collar. I don't do anything with him, but I, uh, lift, yeah, lift him up. Do not threaten my friends. Then I will threaten you, foolish child. This valley will burn, and Azitahaka will release the outer storm. I mean, yes. (laughs) But it's not like that. God, I hate this guy. Um, it's almost like he should uh, lose some fingers. Crazy. Uh, uh, if there's a price for my skull, which, good luck, idiot. Um, hey, you guys why did you? Why are you going after Grawl and Sid? Oh, tell me how much I'm worth. How much am I worth? Is he worth more than me? Because that's not fair. <laughs> this fair? I'm older than you. Is that how that works? I don't think that's how that works. We'll just Nothing. growl at you. Mm. Mm, I 
Yeah, I'm going to throw him back down on the ground. God, I really don't like this dude. Um, I'm going to lean in close, and I'm going to ask him, what is the, does the name Lucrezia, what was her name? Yeah, Lucrezia. Lucrezia, does that mean anything to you? And I try and, I don't expect him to say anything, but I try and, like, see if I can see a reaction. Give me an insight check. Not terrible. Uh, 24. Oh, very good. Yeah. For I... something you can read very easily is the smile that cracks his face yet again. And just, like, the blood in his mouth is sort of coating his teeth to give him this horrible crimson grin. Uh, but what you pick up on that almost no one else can is a flash of fear that runs across his face. Yep. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the next room. Um. Give a second. Um. I worry about that. Um. So I see. I see fear on his eyes. Just very briefly. But what you see and what everyone sees is when you say the name Lucretia, um, he gets this just manic grin on his face. Do you fear this person? We should all fear her. Why is that? She is the knife that will break open the... And he stopped himself. Um, what happens if I use Eldritch Sight on, like, looking at his arm? Uh, you so... <laughs> you open up your detect magic senses. Mm-hmm. What is everyone's passive perception real quick? I believe SIDS Mine's is the 15. highest. Mine's 15, yeah. Yeah. So, Mine's 11. Mine's 11. Sid, you're the only one who notices Grawl's eyes go real weird. <laughs> just straight, just... <laughs> no, it's it's more that thing where the pupils begin to subdivide over and over and over again Ugh. until there's a ton of them just covering his eyes as Gross. he begins to inspect the, your captive under his detect magic eldritch sight. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you react to that, but Grawl... I mean, I'm not surprised. Is it really the weirdest thing you've seen? Mm. No. Doubtful. From Grawl, even. Yeah. Yeah. What you see is... You're not quite sure what type of magic this is. All you know is that it rep- the brand on his arm represents a distinct magical connection of some kind that is wildly similar to your sword. Mm. Crap. Make of that what you will. Okay. Uh. Oh. Just. Uh, t- can I? Yep. Oh, sorry. Go no, I was it. gonna say, can I um do divine sense with the same thing? I'm assuming this crazy evil aura that's emanating off of all of these people is centralized on this mark. But if I could test that theory. Um, 
So there, again, there isn't so much of an aura, and your divine sense really doesn't tick off anything that you didn't expect. Cherish detects as a fiend. One here is fiendish. And this guy definitely reeks of evil, but that's not a surprise. That's not like fiendish or anything. No. And it, nothing about the brand necessarily tips off your divine senses all that much. Huh. Um, I guess I'm going to ask this question, but I'm not really expecting an answer other than good try. Um, so Grawl couldn't like tell what type of magic it was. If I roll a good enough arcana check, would I know? Could I know more? If Grawl shared the information that he garnered, perhaps. Oh, true. I think we should cut off his arm. Yeah, I'm going to roll an arcana check with advantage. <laughs> Grawl, do you share what you learned? Uh, first, I want to say I want to cut off his arm. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then uh, after saying I want to cut off his arm, I, I'll like lean over to Cherish and just like, there's some weird stuff going on with his arm. <laughs> Okay. So I, I want it. I got a... No, no. <laughs> I got a 22. And okay, this, this, was, this was with advantage? Yes. All right. In your mind, Maz whispers, Some things laid into the flesh grant power. His Actually, magic is not his own. I want to stab his arm so bad. <laughs> I no, I think after Maz says that, uh, uh, his magic I think after Maz communicates that, Cherish is like, okay, no, actually, yeah, I do think we should cut his arm off. Whoa. I was not um, expecting that. We can kill him first. No, we don't have I... to kill him. We don't have to kill him. It'd be great. We I just cut the arm off nice and easy. We take the arm and then and then Tirza can like healify him to an extent so he can live for a little bit more and then I, go on the I could way. healify him, but I I don't think God Olivia the player wants to cut his arm off so bad, but <laughs> Tirza is like when you all start discussing cutting off his arm, he begins bucking and rocking and trying to fight with all of his might to get out of Tirza's grasp. Uh, I kick him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be a lot easier if he wasn't awake. So that's a natural 20 on his athletics roll. Oh, shit. Bucking, I mean, okay. Tirza, give me a... An opposed athletics check to see if you can hang on to this guy. I don't. I mean, he's what, still tied Do up, I have right? to also get yeah. a nat twenty? Yeah. It's possible. Yeah, do... it... Oh. Well, <laughs> friends. Oh, I guess that's not so bad. I got a ten. Okay. Okay. What was the roll? I rolled a five. Oh, all right. So, 
this cultist pulls out of your grasp and begins rolling on the ground. And with a few quick movements, basically runs... It looks like he's running straight into Grawl's sword. What he's actually doing is tearing the bonds that are tying him by running up into the blade. Ah. And so he's gotten himself partially free and is struggling up onto his feet, though he's hopping around because his legs are still tied together. Can I hit him in the head with the help of my sword? Give me an attack roll. You have advantage because he is a little hobbled. I said with the help of my sword. Mm-hmm. Okay, not, still. It's, do you know? Do you know how hard to hit someone so that they don't die? Yes. I can technically healify him. I guess. That's a scientific term. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's gonna be twenty-six. That's a hit. You're yeah, a monster. Roll me that 1d8. That 1d8. Plus your strength modifier if you have one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just going, whomp. That's true. Uh, I, I don't. <laughs> um, so that's going to be... It's going to be four. Cool. Well, he needed one, so uh, the cultist goes down in a limp heap. Uh, though... He's unconscious. Yes. And... <laughs> You now have an unconscious cultist in front of you, half tied up. So I guess we retie him up. Do we have shackles? No. We don't need to tie him up. Like, all right. So wait, what got free exactly? From the, his the arms. Yeah. Just his arms. It's going to be arm. <laughs> Why? Okay, just a second. It's going to be harder to tie him up if he only has one arm. <laughs> Sid doesn't know why you guys are, uh, why you guys so focus on cutting off his arm. Oh, okay. So now that he's unconscious, um, Cherish sort of like brushes her her skirt off a little bit and says, "Okay, so the magic that he's using is it's not he didn't come by it through I don't know like learning or just being born awesome like me." Um, there's something in his arm that is granting him power that is connected to this Azidahaka, whether or not it's, you know, like, sorry, Tirza, but it's, it's not the same thing. Um, I'm sure it's not. Mike? Mm-hmm. Um, I, as a player, would think that that sounds a lot like a warlock, but I don't know if Arcana Sid... check! Exactly. Okay, thank you. Just don't want to metagame. Thank you for not doing that. Yeah. Uh, that's gonna be... 15. 15. So, Sid knows scarce little about magic. The idea that somebody's arm gives them magic sounds just as crazy as someone who's half-devil, or a albino hobgoblin with a giant sword, or... You live in a crazy magical world, so the idea of someone having sponsored magic, quote-unquote, doesn't sound unreasonable. You just don't know the differences necessarily between casters. Right. Okay. Is that... Is that uncommon? That 
he would have something in his arm. Is that like he he doesn't? Is that a common thing? I don't know where people get magic from. Oh well, there's lots lots of different ways to get magic. Um, you know, I I was born with some innate magical abilities. Um, mm-hmm. uh, wizards like um like you know Sinerva, whatever. Um, learn magic. She's I don't know actually if she's a wizard or not. Good question. She's old. Well, okay, then uh, backtrack. Just uh, some people learn magic by studying it and just like trying super hard, which sounds like really horrible, <laughs> personally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sounds awful. I don't know why anyone would want to do that. Yeah, right. Um, and some people, um, like this guy, uh, have, uh, you know, they have magic that isn't theirs, but they have some sort of uh, patron or like. Deity. Something. Well, it's even different than that because you have your magical powers from a deity, but you're not necessarily a warlock. But he says he gets his powers from this deity. I. Yeah, it's real strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what about his arm gives him powers, I guess, is my question. I don't know. We have to investigate it. Do we have to remove, do we have to remove the arm? Do we really want him to keep his arm? Let's think of his... I'm not even convinced I want him to be alive, but, you know, that's... Great. So so let's meet halfway, and we cut off his arm. And we can kill him later. I'm just... Uh, I don't know. Uh, Grawl's going to start lining up his his arms like he's going to take a golf swing, but it's going to be, like, for lining it right right below the shoulder. Mm Mm-hmm. On his arm for cutting off the arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grawl, hold on a minute. You got one minute. We don't... We shouldn't torture this man. I, I, That's not going to give us more answers, I don't think. Well, he's not giving it to us. His arm might. What's the purpose of cutting off his arm? What? It won't be attached to a, a life force anymore. It might not have any power on its own. Oh, we don't know until really we try. Uh, let me investigate it really quick while he's unconscious, and okay. I do that. Okay. Rolling an investigation check now. All right. Do I have advantage since he's unconscious? Mm, no, you don't have disadvantage because he's not actively fighting you. Mm, well, uh, that is only a 14. Again, you get the pretty much the same read as Tirza. You can see the brand clear as day. It's this just really nasty red, looks like burn scar on the arm. It's hot. And when yeah. you get close, you can feel the feverish heat coming off of it. It's real kind of just that sickening heat of a body as your hand grows near. It's gross. Can I, can I take my sword and kind of poke at the brand a little bit. Sure. Do anything? No? Okay. I'm just prodding at him then. Yeah, pretty much. Look at him. Look at him. And by the way, Grawl, a minute has passed. Okay, time to get to work. Uh, I'm gonna step in the way of that nonsense. I mean, if we're going to kill him, we should just kill him, although I don't necessarily know that that's the right answer either. I 
I'm not. Look. So you I... say we kill him and then I cut off his arm? So I can do that either way. Uh, maybe. Either he gets to live and I cut off his arm, and then he gets to continue his meaningless life as a one-armed man, or he's dead and he doesn't have an arm. So you're saying if we cut off his arm, he doesn't have to die. Is what, is what Potentially. Look, tears that I, I'm not necessarily into the idea of killing an unconscious man. So, Sid, at your hip, Stormpiercer says, "Well, that's a step in the right direction." Oh, come on! That's... <laughs> was this? A, was it? Was this? Uh, I can't remember. Is Stormpiercer like audible to everyone? Yes. Oh, yeah, everybody can hear that. Perfect. Nice. <laughs> we all have a good laugh. I just go. Shut up. <laughs> but Tirza, we need to make a decision because I mean, like, we still have like a long ways to go too. This. We have other stuff we need to do. Yeah, the fires of the carts are beginning to die down. The bandits that you didn't kill that fled the battle, there's no sign of, but presumably someone will be along eventually down this road. Yeah. Think about this. This seemed to be the source of his magic, and he was going to hurt people with it. If we get rid of the source of his magic, at least he can't hurt people in the same way he was going to. I think that's a fair point. Is there, um, we're heading to that town... Uh, Whitmore's Landing. Whitmore's Landing. Maybe we can turn him in there. Oh, God, I do not want to travel with this guy. I'm I'm sorry. I... Only we had some carts that weren't on fire. <laughs> yeah, well, it seemed like a good idea. Everyone lauded me for setting them on fire when I did, so... You don't have Hindsight. to change your mind now. 2020. I mean, I, you know, as it also as not fun as it is to be around this guy, he did also say that there's a bounty on my head, and I don't really want to be traveling with someone who's actively trying to kill me. Just a personal preference of mine. Yeah. All in favor of arm removal. Charis uh, raises her hands. Yeah. Okay. Three to one. You okay with that? We're not killing him. Not killing him. And you can heal him, correct? He's not going to die. You guys are just going to have to do it if you're going to do it. I'm okay, not going to agree to this. <sighs> what? I don't know. What? What? What can we do other than that? Like, I, I'm, I'm looking for an alternative here. If it's going to be done, do it. Sword up, Tirza. I need you to give me a wisdom saving throw. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Good. Eleven. Cool. Uh, that is precisely what you needed, thankfully. Oh. So, from the ground, where the cultist was playing possum this whole time, waiting for you to come to a decision, because uh, he made his constitution saving throw two rounds ago uh, to yeah. regain consciousness, <laughs> um, he will shout a word of command at Tirza. Uh to say, help! Uh, but the <laughs> command rolls off of your back like water off a duck's back. 
damn it, that would have been really fun. Um, cool. Uh, so you are aware that he attempted to just cast a spell on you. Mm-hmm. I just think he shouted help, right? Right. I guess as far as I can tell. Okay. Anyone who is within the like immediate vicinity, so I'm pretty much just Grawl, I think at this point, would feel a flare of heat radiating off of the arm. Just do it, dog. I'm gonna chop the arm. All right. Okay, so sort of up, down. It's like right at right at the like the shoulder. Okay. Roll me some sword damage. Do not add your charisma modifier. Okay. Add your strength modifier. Ooh, fun. Um, six plus two plus another two plus ten. Ten. Okay, that is good. That is precisely what you needed. Uh, yeah. Or else there might have been some wood chopping action here. Um, <laughs> so you bring the great sword down in a mighty swing as this cultist turned its his head to shout a spell at Tirza, and there's a dull <laughs> as the blade hits the ground. And the cultist lets out a scream. Did I get it? The arm is clean off. You yes. carve through muscle and bone. Hmm. Where did you take it off at? Okay. Right, right at the armpit. A spurt oh, of blood arm. goes spraying across the dirt. And the <laughs> cultist, who was not doing well to begin with, is... Yeah, I- Eyes of shock. Pretty much dead unless someone does something right now. I mean, I'm interested in seeing if he, if there's like a compulsion element of this here. So, as the player, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna heal him. And also, Tears is sad about this, so Tears is gonna heal him. How does Tears uh, heal? I have lay on hands. Okay. I'm just gonna use uh, whatever I need to stabilize him. At least 10 points. Cool. I'll use 11 points. Okay. So. Will that bring him into consciousness? No. (laughs) That will bring him to not immediately going to die. What if I do 25? That is another story entirely. So you expend your full pool? That's not my. Oh, that is my full full pool. Do we need him to do it? Yeah. I'm gonna do it. Okay. <laughs> so yell obscenities at us for hours while we carry him into town. I'm gonna grab his arm. The dismembered one. Yes. Okay. Is it still it hot? I grab it by the wrist and I'm sort of like holding it, like kind of away from myself because I'm assuming it is also spurting blood. <laughs> it is leaking blood at the very least. Yeah. Yes. It. And I kind of move a few steps away from him. The arm, unlike the body, does not have a heart to pump blood out of it. Oh yeah, no, that's that's say true. what the body. You don't you don't also heart. have a tiny heart in your. <laughs> uh, anyway, not this person anyway. So the cultist's shoulder stump is grossly healed as flesh begins to graft itself down from the shoulder blade over across the amputation place. It wasn't a super clean cut. There's a bit of like 
stump there that can kind of wiggle around. It's real gross. Yeah. As that heals over, the cultist lets out a gasp, comes to like a flickering consciousness, kind of coming in and out a little bit. Cherish, as you hold the arm away from you, you begin to smell smoke, and you can see the arm itself beginning to smolder. And yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Little bits of flame begin flecking out from the brand. Damn it! Yeah, I put it. I I don't I I don't like like scare drop it, but I do I do lay it on the ground like just to watch what's happening. It is beginning to self-immolate. Yeah. Uh, does what's his name say anything? The cultist is deathly silent as he sits up suddenly and just stares fixedly as his arm burns on the ground in front of him. One of those days. Yep. Everyone's been there. He will stare down at the burning arm that is no longer attached. Look down at his right arm that is still attached and, like, clench it into a clawed gesture. Looks as though he is expecting something to happen and it doesn't. And he'll cool. stare up yeah. at the rest of you just with horrified shock. Hmm. Well, that answers that question. Hmm. Consider this a mercy. I could have let them kill you, but because you bear, uh, because you bear the name of one of my goddesses, I'll let you live. I am the walking dead now. You have severed me from my god. Yeah, I kind of, yeah. And... He won't do anything. He'll just sit there and not look away from his arm that is slowly turning into charcoal. Yeah, I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm um, bye, guys. <laughs> just walk away? Yep. Uh, okay. All right. Has the so, arm yeah. turned fully into ash yet? No, actually. Uh, depends how long you stay there. It takes a while for a giant meaty arm to burn. I know. Can I speed it along? You want to hit it with more fire? It'll be more on fire. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, I do. Okay. I want to see if there's anything left, like any weird stuff embedded in there that didn't get burnt. So you hit it with a firebolt? Yes. All right. What's the blackened, crispy, what's left of the arm? It looks like burnt meat on top of a wire racking when you hit it with this firebolt. And you can see the hand almost involuntarily clench on the ground. And behind you, the cultist will let out a scream and flop backwards onto the ground. The hand will, like, be just clenched on the ground as if the whole arm is tensing. 
and then as your fire fades, it will just and disintegrate into ash. Okay. There's nothing left behind. No, no solid pieces. Nothing solid left in the ash pile of ashes. Give me a religion check. Ugh, balls. Oh, I could help with that. Yeah, well, you're not. Dad, you're already walking away. Yep. Oh, that's not too bad. Um, 18? The ash, as it explodes away from the arm, clearly leaves a symbol. You don't recognize it, though. Damn. Um, How far away is Terza? <laughs> probably 60 feet down the road a ways. Yeah. Terza! I am not coming back over there. So. Okay. He feels really bad anything. about what he did. I have nothing to draw it with. Shit. Sid, Grawl, what are you doing? Uh, what is, what is the, what's the state of, of this cultist? He let out a scream, he flopped onto the ground, and he is now unconscious. Gotcha. Um, but he's not, he's not dying or anything. No, he was stabilized by Tirza. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I'm going to leave him, I'm going to leave him a note. <laughs> Do you have uh, writing utensils and paper? Ooh, actually, I don't know. Yeah, because I don't, and I was going to use that to draw the freaking symbol. You could write a message in the dirt with your right ear. Okay. No. Man, that's I. I have chalk. Hey, Mike. Hmm? Can I grab a piece of like charcoal from one of the burnt carts and draw it on the back of my hand? Yes. Yes, you can. Okay. I do that, <laughs> and I'm sure that everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> okay, okay. No, just kidding. I take a scrap of I take a scrap of have, uh, of cloth from like my chalk. my bag. By the way, if you need it, you can use my chalk. I don't know if chalk works on fabric. I know charcoal works on most stuff. Yeah, charcoal would work. So yeah, okay. arm charcoal. You, you draw it on what now? A scrap of cloth. <laughs> okay. Gross. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to with. <laughs> so, so I can show Tears a later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when she's not mad anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, so I do that and I just run after Tears. Okay. Sid, Grawl, what are you doing? Um, I grab out uh, like a gold piece and I flick it at him, hoping oh, it hits God. him in the forehead, and then I walk away. Okay. There's a satisfying thunk as it hits him in the head. Yep. Um, and you walk away, and I'm just going to lean down, and he's unconscious, but I'm still going to say, you know, I've made it 19 years without following any god I think you're going to be okay and then I walk away okay I'm so glad that you didn't say that in front of me <laughs> <laughs> oh I also from really far away I would like baseball another coin at the back of his head <laughs> I catch it and I put it in my wallet <laughs> fair enough that works so 
eventually, I'm guessing the three of you catch up with Tirza. Tirza, are you determined to stay away from the rest of the party? No. Okay. Um, I think when you catch up to me, or when you catch up to Tirza, I'm definitely saying stuff under my breath. Like, I'm reciting. If I had a Bible, I would be reading it and walking right now. But I don't need it. Tirza is the Bible. Apparently not. So. Old Testament. <laughs> I would more compare Tears' religion and associated things. Well, never, I'm not going to get into a religious yeah, like, <laughs> debate. Anyway. Yeah. So. Eventually, you all catch up with one another and keep on moving through the day. What kind of pace are you setting after this little fracas? You've maybe wasted... Well, not wasted, but you've maybe spent an hour, all things considered, with the cult fight. Should probably be pretty quick, huh? It's up to you. You were setting a yeah. bit of a sedate pace earlier in the day. Yeah, to try to keep an eye out for stuff. Right, and that paid off. It did, that's true. Maybe careful. Just... Yeah. Uh, a bunch of cultists ran off, so it's probably there might be another ambush. Actually, give me a No, I think you would have just noticed this. You did kill a few of the bandits mm -hmm. and in even a preliminary like once over of them, you would have seen that none of the other people you killed had brands. They're yeah. Yeah, they were Did we like, ever there it it was kind of established in the last episode that they were mercenary. -y. Yeah. Yeah. Mercenary. Not very thugs. good, are they? Um did we I don't remember if we searched them nope. last time. No. Nope. Shit. But we've already left, so. So yes, what kind of pace do you set for the rest of the day? Probably the pace that we I mean, my vote is to be careful. We I mean yeah. we've already been ambushed once. I yeah. I agree. I, Definitely, since we've been ambushed, I feel like keeping a weather eye out is more important than, like, hoofing it. Because we're making pretty good time, so... Yeah, yeah. If you maintain the pace you're at and not get slowed up too much, you should reach Wickmore's Landing by the middle of tomorrow morning. Okay. Yeah. That's Some, sometime before noon. When are yeah. we supposed to leave? The following day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Plenty of time. Plenty of time for partying and whatnot. Is Grawl a part? Are you a partier, Grawl? You like I'm to get party animal? Get your freak yeah. Out? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's what we were doing earlier. That was a party, right? So pushing on through the rest of the day, <laughs> there is not much that discerns one track of land from another in this area. You can smell the river somewhere nearby, but you can't necessarily see it as you're moving through these rolling scrublands. You know it is somewhere to the south and north of you. You're sort of in this little pocket of land before you actually hit Wickmore's Landing, which is on the edge of the river. So you're sort of in a little bit of a peninsula at the moment, though it's really more of a nub that sticks out a little bit into these two big rivers. Mm -hmm. So, it is a fertile land, but it is not necessarily interesting land. 
As you're moving, though, eventually the road winds northward, and you begin moving closer and closer to the river. You can see that on the opposite side there are plentiful farmlands that dot the landscape opposite the river from you. And in the distance to the north, you see several massive windmills that dot the horizon. These things stand out from miles away. They're huge. And I think Cherish and Grawl, you've maybe seen these on your way up from the drylands once or twice before, but these are basically centralized grain mills that are shared by many of the farmers on the, the fertile sweep of land on the road leading north towards Crescent's Edge. And it's sort of a a shared market of grains and like it's a it's a giant farmers market underneath these giant mills and the farmers share their time with these mills which legend has it they were built when the first settlers came to the valley perhaps by the old mage herself is just like here and here you can grind all of your grain but they're just a landmark on the road so you know you're getting close but as night begins to set and you lose sight of these windmills on the horizon you know you're not far from Wickmore's Landing, but how far precisely, you're not 100% sure. The day is cold and bitter, and the night even more so. And I would like to ask, how do you handle watch? Um, uh, how did we do it last time? I think I stayed up first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. So, Sid's on first watch? Yeah. I think I had second watch. Cherish yeah, second. I think it was. I think it was Sid, Cherish, Tirza, Girl. Okay. Okay. So you want to handle it the same way then? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Yeah. All right. Making camp on the side of the road is a much more rugged affair than when you camped in Westbridge. Westbridge at least had a modicum of well, there's a little like stall you can sleep in for the evening. Mm -hmm. There's a place yeah. to set up, and there's a little brazier where you can make a fire. Out here in the scrublands, it's a little bit more rough and tumble. I Do you all have sleeping mats and things of that nature? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. I have a bedroll, yeah. We all don't need no sleeping mat. Okay, so at least three of you have bedrolls. Does anyone have a tent? No. <laughs> no. Okay, so Grawl is just sleeping on the ground. And the rest of you have bedrolls set up. I uh, presume you attempt to make a fire, or do you not? To try to keep oh, it yeah. stealthy. Oh, well. We'll get less attention without a fire, but... Um, but you'll be less comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I lived an ascetic lifestyle for the first 12 years of my life, so I'm good with... <laughs> Yeah, and I'm fine with a little cold. Okay. You're all dressed enough for the weather, so it's not a huge yeah. deal. Um, but you're much less comfortable, and you're a little stiff uh, come the morning. Though the night passes without much incident. Though, let's see. Cherish 
Cherish, while you are on watch, I need you to make a perception roll. Okie dokie. Fifteen. Fifteen. As you're sitting up, it's not that difficult for you to see out and around. There is a bright moon in the sky. Again, waxing gibbous. You're only two days away from the full moon. And as you stare out over the rolling plains around you, you can see that maybe a few miles down the road, there are perhaps a campfire of other travelers, either coming to or from Wickmore's Landing. You're not sure which but you can just see it off in the distance, that single point of light. The stars above you are these brilliant white lights that shine out, and even now, at the very crest of the beginning of winter, you can see the crackling edge of the outer storm if you look towards the horizon. Specifically, if you look westward, because that is the closest of the Stormwall Mountains. Okay. And at the very lip of those mountains, you can see those crackling, multicolored bolts of lightning that are a constant. They're much less visible in the daylight, but at night, if you look hard enough, it's like seeing the Milky Way. So long as there's not enough... So long as there's no light pollution, you can see it fairly easily. And what marks as strange to you... Maybe not strange, but it's certainly of note. It... it it appears as though the storm clouds are growing just marginally taller than you're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. It's like usually it's just like a, a pencil's width atop the black edge of the mountain peaks that you can see in any given edge. And perhaps it's like two fingers widths now. Mm-hmm. And it could just be an optical illusion. It could just be your specific elevation here. You are a a little bit higher up now. Uh, the drylands is a much higher elevation than the rest of the valley, and you're technically moving towards them right now. True. Mm-hmm. So, there's not much to make of it, but it is just something of note during the night. Okay. Other than that, the rest of you wake up stiffly, ready for the next day's journey, and... Before we get to Wickmore's Landing, I think that is where we'll take our break. And when we return, we shall land at Wickmore's. Yeah. That's what it's for. <laughs> it's kind of their thing. You're going to die. Greetings, my friends. Omatep Duskwalker here, owner and proprietor of Duskwalker Import and Export TM. And today, I am here to ask you a simple question. What do you want me doing during these uh, break segments that we've been doing so far? I mean, honestly, I've been telling you about items in my store, but that seems like something I do to everyone every day. Is it something you want me to continue doing, though? That's kind of what I'm putting up to you, the listeners. Uh, why don't you email my friends over at Material Components? They will provide you with the email address at the end of the episode. Or you can just uh, tweet straight at me. I discovered Twitter on this very strange world called Earth. You can tweet at me at NPC underscore AN. And it is there that you can tell me what precisely you want me filling these little break segments with. 
I could be selling you more fantastical items. I could be telling you about the world in which we find ourselves, the Tempest Rest Valley. There are many strange and wondrous things here, indeed. Or I could be telling you about my personal adventures. I have been to many places, seen many things, and talked with a great many people. Perhaps you want to hear about that. Well, no matter what, why don't you just let me know, get back to me, and uh, we'll see what we can do going forward, eh? But in the meantime, uh, what was up with the whole cutting off the arm thing? Gross, right? <laughs> anyway, let's get you back to the action. And welcome back to Material Components. When last we left our adventurers, they were resting soundly on the road to Wickmore's Landing. Mm -hmm. But before we return to their delightful rise in the morning, and hopefully their uneventful return to the city, I'd like to cut away for a brief moment as we catch back up with some of our friends who may not be with us at the moment, because as the four of you rest soundly on the side of a road, somewhere in the north, along a different road, we see a small, pale gnome laughing gleefully to herself as she pulls the femur out of a thigh. A dismembered arm just to her side, bearing the three-toed brand, lies boneless and flopping, and she giggles quietly to herself, saying, More friends for you, George. More friends for you. On a road to the south, we see a charcoal-skinned tiefling minding his own business, spear over his shoulder, shield on his back, walking casually by himself towards Fort Verge, his mind on other things, and in a copse of trees off to the side, several men in dark leathers begin to tighten bowstrings. Farther to the south, towards Srothheim, we see a contemplative minotaur riding on the back of a cart, unaware that some of the other caravaneers watch him and sharpen knives at night. And deep within the Eastwood, we see, in an ancient grove of trees, a white-skinned Eladrin staring into the middle distance as they draw red war paint across their cheeks as the crack of branches behind them gives away the positioning of hunters who are about to become the hunted. The four of you wake up with a bit of a cramp in your back. You slept in bedrolls in the freezing cold with no fire. So, as of right now, all of you have the first level of exhaustion. You regained your hit points and spell slots, but it was not a restful sleep, per se. So, with the first level of exhaustion comes disadvantage on all of your ability checks. So if I ever, in the next day, before you get another rest, hopefully, ask for just an ability check, not necessarily a skill check, but if you just have to make like just a pure strength check or a pure intelligence check, you'll have disadvantage on those. Gotcha. Cool. But wait, 
But yes, you wake up, you're sort of rolling the stiffness out of your back. Grawl, you had last watch, so you're already awake as the other three are beginning to just work the morning out of their joints, eating some rough trail rations, some dried meat and some cheese as your breakfast of choice. Mm-hmm. Yummy. What? Actually, this is pretty equivalent to what I what I eat on a day-to-day basis, so. What kind of pace are you setting for the day? You know if you move at a normal clip, you should hopefully reach Wickmore's Landing by just before midday. And then the next day is the one... Yeah. Yes, oh, it is now the, the eighth day of the month of salt. I figure we can just go at a normal pace. Yeah. Wait, wasn't, yester- wasn't yesterday the sixth? I was just salt? doing the math in my head. Yeah, it's the seventh. Okay. So if anything, you're a day ahead because of that uh, speedy day you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yay. So if you, go to- if you reach Wickmore's Landing today, you'll actually have a spare day in town before the caravan leaves. Oh. You're shopping. Yeah. Yeah. You want to do that? Just go at a normal pace. Yeah. Okay. Strolling along at a normal pace, you're marching northwards towards Whitmore's Landing. The road now follows the river, and as you're moving, those huge grain silos slash windmills are ever-present to the northeast of you. You can see that there are four in total that dot the river lands on the opposite side of the river. They are spaced out about every mile or so, and the fact that you can see all of them from this distance speaks to their size. As you grow closer, you are approaching through a series of farmlands on this side of the river, though they are look to be a little less worked and a bit more rustically maintained. There isn't the ordered organization of farmlands on the other side of the river north of Stormhaven. The ground here is maybe a little bit too dry as you approach the drylands. The the rocks in the soil make it difficult to farm. So the farms you pass tend to be of simple, modest size. They're not necessarily producing crops to sell. They're producing crops to live on. Yeah. Sustenance farming. That's the term I was looking for. Sub, uh, subsistence. Subsistence yeah. farming. There we go. They're subsisting, yes. Sorry, my... That's okay. Thank you for correcting me. Yay, farming! (laughs) Shout out to our friend Cole. Um... (laughs) This episode is dedicated to you, kid. I wouldn't go that far. I'm not killing you all actively. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) It's what he would want. So... Moving northward, is there anything you would like to accomplish or discuss while on the road? Or do you um, march do... forward in silence? Uh, Cherish does attempt to show Tirza the symbol that... Oh, oh baby, God, you're going to give me more than a day. Um, I said attempt. <laughs> I yeah, think, how... in, fact, in fact, she, like, I don't know what our marching order is, but, like, Cherish either catches up or falls back to, like, walking next to Tirza and, you know, says, Hey, are... Could I talk to you about something, or are you 
Would you like some space? She's so cute. Uh, what is it? It has to do, it is tangentially connected to what happened yesterday. Uh, and I think she kind of flinches. Um, and then is like, um, like shakes it off. Um, I, I don't wish to speak about that. Okay. Um, it's okay. That, that's why I asked. Um, no worries. I, I don't know anything about what's going I, on with that man. No, 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 I didn't, I wasn't gonna ask you he's, about... He's not involved in... It's not the same thing. I, I'm, I wasn't gonna ask that. I just, I, I saw something and... If he thinks he believes the same thing that you do, which clearly he doesn't, because he wasn't great. Um... Uh... <laughs> I just, I saw a symbol, and I, I don't know what it means, and maybe you might, if, yeah. Again, it's totally fine if you don't want to talk about it. A symbol? What, what type of symbol? I show her. Okay. I'm assuming I have to do a religion check, Mike. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's an 18. Okay. There is a symbolic shorthand among the Jarashir that is used to signify different aspects within the religion. Mm-hmm. There, it's not really a language, it's closer to pictograms, but even that isn't necessarily saying it correctly. There's just symbols that represent the three gods the outer storm itself the the jarashir as a people and the jarashir as a a concept the whole idea of shepherding the last of mortal kind through the weather of the outer storm as a whole the the concept that the jarashir is based around there's a symbol that represents all of that it's very complex but this isn't any of those. It is a bastardization of one of those symbols. It is the sign of the Azidahaka, but it is twisted and warped as though someone dis was described what the symbol might look like and then tried to reproduce it and only got about a third of the way there. It is that three prong, because how the Azidahaka is described generally among the Jarashir is a type of worm, a, a, a great three-headed serpent that produces terrible weather. They say that when the outer storm breaches the storm wall, the Azi Dahaka will be at its forefront, 
and slaughter one in every three people and livestock in the valley. It is up to the Jarashir to save the other two-thirds. Yeah. This symbol looks as though it might have once been that of the Dahaka, but it has undergone just this gnarly transformation, twisted and evil. Um... I think a good correlation to this, a real-world correlation, would be the swastika, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Its original intent warped to something malevolent and evil. Um... Uh, yeah. That, that sounds about right. That's... Thank you, Mike. Um... And I think she shakes her head and says uh, something along the lines of, of what you just said. Of, of That is... We... Ozzy Dahaka is a... A necessary for... Uh, not even a necessary for... A natural force of the chaos that reigns outside of the valley, but to to worship it, to to beckon its coming is not. There's something deeply broken in this cult, and yeah. uh, I think, and I, I. <laughs> double meaning there and I think she kind of realizes that as she says it because people have I'm sure in Stormhaven have Omatep included have d- described the Jarashir itself as a cult and I think she like uh, takes a second and is and then is quiet again um, okay. and actually yeah she's quiet for a couple moments and then says you should destroy that Okay. Do you? I'm just like I uh, I think Cherish is smart enough that like and the way I'm playing her is like okay, so like this is a version of this symbol, so I should I should like, ask Tirza to either draw me that, the actual symbol, later, or, like, look it up somewhere. So, because, like, I'm sure that, that Cherish it will remember. Like, oh, this is a fucked up version of this. I don't think I physically need it. Okay. And I think that that is in character. Okay. So, you destroy the piece of cloth, then? Yeah, I, like, I, I'm holding it in my hand, and I just, like, do a mini firebolt just like incinerated in my hand. Okay. It goes up like flash paper, which is a little startling because it is cloth. It shouldn't burn like yeah. that. But when your flames touch it, it just goes. Whoa. Oh. 
is weird. I need to get a journal. Yes. And she just keeps and she just like speeds up <laughs> and keeps walking. Alright. Grawl Sid, anything you would like to accomplish on the road to Wickmore's landing? Um I hand Grawl a flask. You drink? I I can. Do you want to? Smells it. It's gone bad. (laughs) No, it is. (laughs) It is aged to perfection, my friend. So he starts, like, drinking it. And keeps going and slowly tipping his head back further, further. And then um, I snatch it out of his mouth uh, so, that I, so that I can finish it. What did Grawl just drink? Whiskey! Nice. Everyone's favorite drink. Well, Sid's. Um, <laughs> um, everyone important. Everyone important. Um, <laughs> so, what'd you think? It's good. <laughs> Grawl, could you give me a constitution saving throw? <laughs> is that with disadvantage because he's exhausted? Or no, no this is a saving throw. Oh. Okay. Uh, 16. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. Yeah. Hobgoblin constitution. Yeah. yeah. So. Um. The whiskey puts a little bit of warmth in your belly, Grawl. You haven't had something that good in a while. The The hard liquors among hobgoblins tend to be really, really finely made vodkas. Nice. So, this quality of whiskey isn't something you're necessarily used to drinking, but it is very good. Though, perhaps best meant for sipping, not for downing. Chugging? (laughs) To each his own, I suppose. It's tough to chug out of a flask, but somehow Grawl managed. Managed. Um... (laughs) What'd it do? Um, so, you're you're a pretty quiet guy. You don't really like to talk about yourself much, is that right? Girl says nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, where did you learn to fight? You're pretty good with a sword. And coming from me, that's a high compliment. I, uh, I found the sword. It kind of just came to me. It came I, to you. I, yeah. Yeah, I found a sword. Now I keep the sword. Mm. My favorite sword. You should be a poet. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, it's great. Poetry is fantastic. Is it? Yeah, it's like um, it's like when your heart is trying to express something that you can't normally put into words. Does that does that make sense? It's 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 elevated language. My my heart speaks too. Yeah. I don't that. Yeah. So no, there, there, it's an organ. It doesn't talk. So, so there's I, I there's talk. there's your brain, and that says that says like, oh, I gotta I gotta go pay my ta- I don't know I. I'm not a scientist, okay? Jesus Christ. I know. Um, <laughs> or whatever fantasy equivalent. Um, there are still scientists. Yeah. 
No, I meant uh, fantasy equivalent to Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> uh, swear um, by whatever gods you see fit. Um, whatever the most common one in in Stormhaven, which I know that it's kind of like a like a melting pot. It's a hodgepodge. Culture. Yeah, yeah. The most um, common religions tend to be to Bahamut, the Platinum Dragon, is a common god of justice. Um, most people just say like swear by gods and demons or yeah. by by storm and thunder by uh some of the more unsavory folk will say things like old mage's tits <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love that uh and that's what sid says um <laughs> Wait, Sid says that. What? He says that that last one. Old Major Tits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Grawl just look over at Sid and just say pervert. <laughs> it's a common phrase, okay? I've never heard that one before. <laughs> it's called poetry, my friend. That's poetry. <laughs> Stormpiercer will say no, no, it is not. <laughs> and I okay, gesture okay. to the sword. Okay, Stormpiercer, if you know so much about poetry, why don't you lay some down? Bright is the sword flashing in the sun. Though I may leap, I am never undone. My blade it does cut through rife and storm, and I will ever be ever more born. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, so I'm first just snapping. All right. Grawl, this is very important. How do you feel? What? <laughs> the rest of the journey goes uneventfully. <laughs> I'll have to try that again. Yeah. And as you approach Wickmore's Landing, you've all been to this town at least once in your lives. Sid, for you, it was probably close to a decade ago at this point. Yeah. But you've all been to this city, so its most unique feature doesn't necessarily startle any of you, but it is always a bit of a shock. Because as you're entering the city proper, it is a bit of a rough-and-tumble dock and trade town. As I mentioned before, Wickmore's Landing is at a crossroads between the drylands, the towns of the river and Lake Quelio, and Stormhaven itself. So there is a lot of trade coming to and from this town, mainly along the rivers. Its most striking feature, though, are the lampposts of Wickmore's Landing. It is said that Wickmore was a mage or a wizard of some renown that settled this town just after the valley was colonized. And they saw to it that their scrap of land along this river would never be without light. As such, each of the lampposts of Wickmore's Landing is lit by a strange, small creature made of wax. It looks like a roughly sculpted humanoid of runny, lumpy wax. But where its head should be is a long wick that glows with flame. 
and they will they perch like gargoyles on top of each of the lamps, slowly dripping themselves down along their lamp posts. Occasionally, when they begin to melt entire, you will see other of these little living wicks moving over to a lamppost and mold, scraping wax off of the lampposts themselves and pushing them down and molding them into a new little homunculus of living wax. And from somewhere, no one's sure where, they have these wicks that they embed in the new wax homunculi. And those wicks are lit. A living wick can only remain alive for one month. So it is this ever-shifting cycle of these living wicks sitting on top of their lampposts, burning until they have melted away, and then other of their kindred circling around this fully melted living wick and sculpting them back into a humanoid form with a new enchanted wick garnered from some unknown location. So as you're moving through the streets, you see some of these tiny homunculi at the base of one of these lampposts sculpting out of little pieces of wax a humanoid figure and rolling an enchanted wick into it until it is this probably two foot tall humanoid figure. But again, at the shoulders, it just stops and where a head should be is this little wick that as soon as the whole body is done being formed, will just ignite by itself. And then that homunculus will scramble up to the top of its lamppost and just crouch back down. And the three or four that were making their new brother will scatter back into town to find their lamppost. So, this is not as shocking as it might be to our players, but to the characters, this is something you're aware happens in this town. Um, seeing it is still unusual, because it is not something that happens anywhere else in the valley. Uh, Cherish loves it, and I think that she... Uh, I don't think that she's ever or that she very rarely actually gets to see the point where the new wax creature gets made. And so she's just like, just thrilled. She loves this shit. <laughs> so yes, you're passing one of these new living wicks being made as you enter the town. And as it scrambles back up onto its lamppost, it's daylight. So it's while it's wick is lit, it's not necessarily producing light for anyone. But those lights upon the the living wicks never actually go out until the wicks themselves burn out and the creature dies. It's sort of it's sort of an endless cycle of death and rebirth for these things. Oh. Yeah, Sid does not go anywhere near those. He is creeped out. Uh I mean magic in general is a little creepy, a little freaky. Um but yeah. Not a fan. Girl, I kind of want one. Tirsa also kind of wants so one. Cute. Yeah. No. I don't need one. I can see in the dark. It's fine. I can't. <gasps> Christmas is coming. <laughs> Fantasy Christmas is coming. Uh, Quenchmas, right? What is it? <laughs> Qu Quenchmas, Quenchmas is, is in the summer. Yes. Um. Yeah. Ember's End is the winter festival. Mm -hmm. It's coming up. So, Quenchmas for all of 
uh, the listeners, is a midsummer festival where you drink a bunch. Mm-hmm. Obviously. It's the best holiday. <laughs> it's my favorite holiday. What month is Quenchmas in? Thirst, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the month of thirst, yes. Of, thirst. of course it is. Yes, for our listeners, I have, in fact, made up a calendar, and there are holidays on that and calendar. I... I... I I drew a like circular version. I I wanna I wanna make like make it look nice before I show it to anyone. But that makes me so happy. Yeah, <laughs> just a cute track track oh. for myself. Definitely excited. So, as you're moving into town, it is just before noon. The uh, trade city is ablaze with activity as dock workers move to and from different rafts and. Uh, flotillas being set up to move up and downstream. Caravans are coming in and out, moving from the drylands to Stormhaven or all parts in between. And the four of you find yourselves at the edge of town, coming in to Wickmore's Landing. What are you doing? Uh, the first thing we gotta do is uh, catch a ride. We gotta we gotta find somebody who's uh, heading out tomorrow. If well, I may, we have something. If I may? Yes, yeah. yeah. Catch a ride! Catch a ride! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Gotta get you some. Um, <laughs> oh, I love that game. We already have a ride. Yeah. They're leaving the one tomorrow. Has already been set up. Yep. We're doing bodyguard duty for some sort of... Um, like riverboat yeah. thing. Yes. You were pointed towards a member of the Lock Wardens here. Yeah. They are the guardian guild that looks after the waterways of the valley. You okay. will need to report to the lock warden commander who is looking after the water caravan moving north in a day and a half's time. So, so sometime you need to make contact with that person. Yeah. Why don't we do that right away? Just to, just yeah. to get it out of the way. Unless we're hungry and want something a little bit more substantial. Well, so I'm thinking we should check in with the lock warden and we should find, we should book some rooms at, you know, an inn. Yeah. A B&B. Some food. Some drink. Drink. Um, Yes, we should do both of those things. Uh, So we should think party. No, because... Grawl thinks parties are killing people, so we're not doing that. Um, yeah, so I don't know what which of those we want to do first, but we should we should do them both. Um, how long have we been walking today? Not that long. Roughly five hours. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. not bad. We are exhausted, but yeah, this is true. Yeah, you're not exactly in the best of states. But we're we're tough little muffins. We can do it. <laughs> I'm a big muffin. Gosh dang it! Yeah, let's go uh, find the lock warden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's do it. Okay. Uh, so, you know that the guardian guilds tend to have barracks or outposts within many of the major towns. Here in. Wickmore's Landing, you expect to find an office for the Lock Wardens. You probably expect to find an office of the Haven Guard, because they are the town guard that usually patrols most cities in the valley. You probably expect to find an office for the Edge Masons, because they're the ones who look after the roadways of the valley. Though, if there was any representatives of the Bark Watch, you'd be surprised. That's not a lot of woodlands around here. Yeah. 
So you are trying to find the local outpost of the Lock Wardens. Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy if you ask around. You can find it. It is a... It actually kind of stands out. As opposed to a lot of buildings around here, which are made of stone and clay and terracotta either brought up down from the drylands or raked from the mud of the river. The building that the Lock Wardens dominate is made of the walls and pieces of broken boats and ships. Dramatic. Pretty metal. It is a tangled knot of driftwood and broken old ships tied together with huge corded ropes that is located just near the docks of Wickmore's Landing. There are several guards standing outside, and they bear the traditional tridents, which is the weapon of the Lock Warden. You know they are experts with those tridents and nets. And you see that there's like a bolo net at each of their hips as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Can we can we just enter? Like, yeah, you're okay. Uh, they sure. the guards will definitely give you a, a, a once over look, and there's maybe a, a bit of a halting pause as Grawl approaches. The presence of a hobgoblin is certainly noted. Mm-hmm. People got problems? No, they don't necessarily say anything, they just definitely you get the sense that there is a heightening of their alertness as you pass. As this strange albino hobgoblin with a massive greatsword walks through the door, they definitely stand a bit more at attention. But the fact that he's traveling with this group of kids... Children. <laughs> definitely adds a, a beat of, well, actually, we don't know what's going on, so let's hold <laughs> off on any assaulting. Yeah, we get that a lot. Yeah. It was the three of them first through the door, and then I'll bring up the rear. <laughs> so, you know. As you enter, you find yourself in what looks like a longhouse, quite frankly. There are long tables, and at the center of everything, there is a big, smoldering fire. At, on one side to the wall, you see this huge jobs board that other people that are of a mercenary persuasion are perusing, looking for work being offered by the Lock Wardens. You see many of such Wardens either getting on or off duty. Uh, most Lock Wardens spend their time on the rivers and waterways of the valley itself. The fact that there are any of them stationed here, that's usually an indication of some kind of bum assignment. Lock Wardens prefer to spend their time on the water. That's the stereotype, anyway. Right. So, as you enter, you find this place bustling with activity. There is no clear indication as to where the commander of this outpost is. Uh, I mean, Grawl's the one who set this up, so... Um, I'll walk over to, like, the nearest one. like The nearest lock warden? Yeah, who's not really doing anything. I'm not going to, like, interrupt someone who's, like, in the process of, like, doing something. But if there's just, like, a person just real, like, chilling. You see one that. sitting at, near the fire pit, uh, sipping from a, a mug of something. They seem to be uh, about to start their shift. They're probably having some kind of strong tea. 
but they're not necessarily actively engaged. Um, and who who is my like point of contact for this? Like, did I have one, or just say that like, yeah, the lock wardens will help you? There was a sergeant at arms of the lock wardens in Stormhaven that told you go here, ask for the commander here. They will give you passage northward. Okay. Um. So. I'll go up to this fine, fine individual, and uh, they're sitting down at a table. Mm-hmm. I'll sit down opposite okay. them. When you sit down, you can see that they have a like domed helmet that comes down in the middle of the nose with some chain mail sloping on the shoulders. They're not actively wearing it. It's off to the side on the table itself. And you can see that this person appears to be an elf, though as you look at them, you can see that they're... There's webbing between their fingers, and their hair is this bright, vibrant green. Oh, that's neat. Girl doesn't say that. And as um, you sit, this sea elf will give you a an up and down look, and then just like raise their cup and say, "Can I help you, friend?" Looking for your commander. And the elf will sort of like get a little bit of a wide-eyed stare and just like. Sip the drink and go, you you want to go upstairs then? Thank you. Pound the table once and get up. And I flick a coin onto the table. And the lock warden will look down at the coin and then look back up at you and, like, shrug and take it. Yep. <laughs> no one has beef with anyone that's got money. I mean, I do, but let's not. Worry. Yeah, not I'm just, I'm handing it out. I'm just, I'm, I'm bettering it away. Sure. That lock warden pointed you towards a set of stairs that looks as though they were ripped from the hull of a ship that is off to the right side of this lodge. As you head upwards, moving towards the stairs, you begin to hear the strangest music any of you have ever heard. It's this weird, gasping wheeze, the likes of which is kind of upsetting to hear. And Sid, having spent time in in the Bard, or in and around the Bard's Guild, you would recognize it as an accordion, and you know it is an acquired taste. Uh-huh. It's great. Are they singing sea shanties? There doesn't appear. To, there doesn't sound like there's any singing involved. It's just like someone playing an accordion upstairs. Uh, we should probably knock on the door. Is it like a door, like a closed door, or is it like in like a door that's open so we can hear? There is a closed door, and that's probably why the accordion sound is in as loud as it might be. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna knock on the door. Okay. You knock a little bit, and when you're up at the door, the accordion sound is very loud. And if you knock lightly, it there is no stop in the accordion music. You knock louder? Yep. Okay. There is a, like, a wheeze and a whang as the accordion gets, like, <laughs> misplayed. And someone on the other side says, Core, blimey! Oh, God. And... Amazing. You hear a thump, kunk, thump, kunk, thump, kunk. Oh my god. And the door opens up, and a barrel-chested bear man stands in front of you. 
huge sideburns coming off of his already furry features. This is a member of the Bearfolk tribe. They are exceedingly rare within the valley and almost universally live in the Eastwood, so seeing one here is an oddity. What is stranger still is that this one has a peg leg, an eye patch, and a hook for a hand. Oh my god! Yes! The trifecta! This is the greatest character ever. And <laughs> sea bears. This bear folk will look down at you, because it easily has a foot on Grawl, and say, Who be ye knocking at me door? I be me. <laughs> uh, Hello. Oh, there's a whole gang of you then. Yes. Uh -huh. Well, come on, come in. You be interrupting my afternoon playing session, but I'll forgive you this once. And he garners <laughs> his hook hand at you. Uh, thank you. Uh, we apologize. As you should be. I love this so much. And the bear person will stump into their office, and you are motioned inside, and you see that there is a huge accordion on the desk. There looks as though there are a ton of scratch marks on the left side of the accordion, because he's attempting to play it with a hook hand. Oh my god. This is amazing. Oh god. What I would give is come with us? to see a man play accordion with a hook hand. I, would, I don't know how much I would pay. Like, what the upper limit is. Uh, fantastic. And so... The bear person will turn around once you're inside the office and say, I repeat me question. Who be ye? Uh, well, my name is Cherish. Um, this is Grawl and Sid and Tirza. We are here. And I don't want to buy any cookies. You have, you, you have cookies? Cherish, you have, Cherish, you have cookies? No, no, I don't. Are ye not part of the Haven Scouts? And he points at Grawl with his hook hand. Are ye not their troop leader? <laughs> I, I, I am the leader, but I wouldn't call us a troop. Uh, we're here... I just be joshing with you! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard to tell sometimes. Clearly ye be adventuring types. Yeah. We're here to secure passage by being bodyguards on, uh... I Grawl, you know about this more than I do. I don't know why I'm um, stepping all over your thing. And the bear person will look over at you, Grawl, and says, So you be the brains of the operation, then? Oh, no, no, that is me. <laughs> that is me. <laughs> I'm your troop leader, okay? I'm the brains. I am a poet, okay? <laughs> I, me, Grawl, talk to Sergeant... I forget his name. Uh, said we could find work here. We need to go towards the lake. To the tower. Yes. Yeah, we're heading towards the, the tower. We have important, very, very important business at the tower. Be ye the adventurers that Sergeant-at-Arms Locksmith be sending from Stormhaven. Ah, uh, yes, that, is, that would be us. That's probably us, yes. Hmm. Ye be uh, over a day early. I'm quite surprised. Normally ye adventuring types aren't as uh, punctual as this. Well, we're better than uh, 
you'll find that we're very exceptional in many ways, including uh, punctuality. Well, that be already be having a gold star in my book, then. Great. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Sounds expensive. And the bear will pull a book off of a shelf behind his desk and slap it down. And it's this huge, giant tome. And he says, I be keeping a list of every person I ever met. And sometimes I be giving them gold stars when they be doing feats of grand adventure and daring do. And adventurers showing up a day and a half early? Why, that be worth a gold star. Yes! Okay, adventure over. We got this man's respect. Yeah, it's we <laughs> just curious who has the most gold stars oh yeah this is very important ah uh, well that would be the old mage of course she be protecting the valley and founding the guardian guilds and all how many mm. does she have well I just sort of wrote a little bit of an infinity symbol next to the one gold star I put in there but if you had to if you, if you had to give her an amount oh I would say it's near approaching well what year is it uh, 521, one for every year she's kept the valley safe. Okay. So, so okay. how many would, so what would we have to do to say get that many in, I don't know, the next two weeks? Is that, is that doable? I mean, well, no, let's, 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 we, I don't have that kind of time. What could we do in the next day-ish to earn some gold stars? <laughs> Preferably 520 plus gold stars. <laughs> You really have a an outgoing and up and atom attitude, don't you? Yeah, there, I, I assume there's some sort of reward or kind of like thing for having a lot of gold stars. They sound expensive. Well, I won't say stars. that those with more stars don't get preferential treatment when they be applying for jobs at my their job board. Oh. Oh, okay. So if you be sticking around Wickmore's Landing and you be applying to jobs with the Lock Wardens, perhaps I'd be willing to bump you up a bit. Let you know when the fine choice jobs be coming in. But outside of that, it's really about me personal respect. Yeah, it seems to carry weight. And the bear person will look down at themselves and go, Hi, I be carrying quite a bit of weight. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Um, so, anyways, um, about the uh, job that we're here to take. Um, Aye. And he plops down behind his deck and there's this... As he, the chair, like, settles under his weight. And you say, Ye be guarding the flotilla up north, heading to the, the old mage's tower. That be what you're mm -hmm. looking for, aye? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Tis a dangerous route, that tis to be sure. What exactly is the... Uh purpose of this flotilla carrying supplies and travelers up to the tower mm. it'd be dangerous this time of year it being in winter and all uh how dangerous how well unfortunately the trolls up there have been a mite active of late hmm. closer to the beginning of winter they tend to uh try to get as much food as possible for when they go into torpor in a month or so Gotcha. Well, you know, we've fought. We've fought a giant, so I feel like trolls are probably not that big a deal. Oh, aye. You fought a giant, then? Mm-hmm. Impressive, indeed. He was on fire. It was crazy. <laughs> you must regale me of this tale. Perhaps over a drink. 
That sounds fantastic. Where be yeah, you staying? Uh, that's actually, we're looking for lodging as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I? the town. Yeah. Well, you couldn't do finer than the Moody Oyster. <laughs> of course the not. The Moody Oyster. Hmm. What's an oyster? I, I don't know what that is. Oh, It'd be a rather delicious shellfish. Cook them up right with some butter and garlic. Mm, I do love butter and garlic. I'll try it. Uh, where is this uh, uh, buttered oyster you talk of? Oh, the Moody Oyster. It'd be oh, Moody s- oyster. two wharfs down. You can't miss it. Uh, Many of my boys go sipping there after work, if you know what I mean. Great. Uh, we, we, we just wanted to establish... Um, so, we're talking with you now. Uh, who, who do we have to talk to just to to sort of let them know that we're here, we're um, assigned... You be talking to them, Boyle! Fantastic, okay, just want to make sure. There ain't one of my men I'd be trusting with this mission. I'll be going myself. You are going Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'd be taking supplies to the old mage's tower. That ain't something I leave to the greenhorns. Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. Good help and all that. Um, well, uh, shall we go get some lodging and food? Sid, why are you talking like that? I don't um, know. <laughs> why I kind of like it. It's new. It's fun. <laughs> it is certainly a choice. I'll say that much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's go. And the bear person will push himself up out of his desk and come back around and say, Well, it was a pleasure to meet y'all. Thank you so much for checking in. When is it that we're meeting you and where? You'll be wanting to meet over at wharf number one on dawn, two days from now. Okay. Thank you, sir. We'll be there on time. Peace out. I should hope so. Um, And he extends his hook hand to shake with all of your... Cherish very gingerly, you know, does that. Mm-hmm. And as you grip it, you can feel that it is a really, really cold iron. Like, mm-hmm. abnormally cold. It, this place is really warm, and for some reason when you touch the hook, there, it seems as though there is an absence of warmth in the hook itself. Yes. And he extends it to each of you in turn. Yeah, I shake his hook. Yeah, same. Okay. He seems to be um, eyeing you all with particular interest whenever you like go to grab the hook. Grawl, do you shake as well? Yeah, but I make a hook with my finger, <laughs> and I do it the same. Okay. But but I look at him first and see if like it's kind of like okay with him. And- oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. So, as soon as you all have touched the hook, he lets out a breath and goes, "Ha! Well, good. None of your fairy tricksters, then." Come again? Oh, do you not know? No. Oh, but the fae be a a mighty threat up and down these waterways. It be something you have to be constantly aware of. Really? Aye. Fairies lurking in the reeds. Fairies lurking underwater. Fairies lurking on the shore, singing men to their doom in deep pits of mud. Hmm. Hmm, I haven't heard of any of that from 
from where I'm from, but... It'd be a terrible scourge upon these lands. It's why I don't trust any but myself to be going up to the old mage's tower. Well, that's well, dangerous. Luckily, sir, I have special abilities just for that. Um. Oh, excellent. Tis a righteous cause you be serving, then. Uh, she goes really, really quiet and... Yes. Fair enough. Well, when you get to the Moody Oyster, just tell him Captain Garou sent you. You'll be getting special preferential treatment. Alright, let's peace out of here and get some food. <laughs> yeah. I'm just definitely asking him for sea shanties later. Yep. He'll be happy to to deliver. <laughs> so you leave Captain Garou's office, and as you close the door behind you, you can hear the, like, wheeze of the accordion being tuned back up into play. And coming back downstairs, uh, the same sea elf catches Grawl's eye and, like, gives you an impressed nod. You interrupted the captain's accordion playing and weren't disemboweled by a hook hand. Does that happen often? Apparently. I mean, it's there. You know, the hook's there. <laughs> Alright then. I, I give I give the, the sea alpha like a... And a hook he'll, gesture for like, those people who are listening. Confusedly return the hooked finger gesture and just like, is that a hobgoblin thing? He's not quite sure what's going on. That's fine. So, you leave the Lock Warden's command post and head northward. A few wharfs over, you eventually find a tall, two-story clay building with a sign out front that has an upset-looking oyster in, like, caricature hanging from a sign in the front door. This is an amazing town, and I want to live here. Yeah, this is great. All right, I go in. Yeah, let's go in and get some get some lodging. All right, you enter the Moody Oyster. It is a really raucous inn. Even this early in the day, there are people singing and drinking and just having a hoot and a half. It seems as though sailors on shore leave make this place a regular stop, and you see many of the off-duty lock wardens hanging out. It seems as though this might be a bar frequented by many of the Guardian Guilds, because you see a couple of off-duty Haven Guard and Edge Wardens here. They are recognizable by their their weaponry, essentially. Edge Masons are known for their massive two-handed hammers, and the uh, the Haven Guard are known for their distinctive longsword and shield. Uh, uh, does anyone look like they're sort of running the place? Is there like a bar that we can go up to? Or a there, there is a long bar along the back wall of this place. And you can see that the, the Moody Oyster actually hangs out over the river. 
and near the bar on the back, there is actually holes in the bar itself that go down to the river, and you see people going up and down uh, towards the river, collecting what looks like fresh oysters, clams, and mussels. Yes. Great. Um... So, so there's some there's somebody behind the bar that I can. Oh yeah, there's several people behind the bar, and there are people wandering around serving drinks and food as well. Great, I'd like to walk up to one of them, uh, the friendliest looking fella or person. Okay. Um, and I would like to say hello. Uh, I'm hoping to rent out a a room or two. Uh, do you have any available? There's this huge friendly, rosy-cheeked dragonborn standing behind the bar, and she lets out a small little laugh as you approach, and a little burst of flame comes out of her nose as she says, Rooms? Of course we have rooms! This be the moody oyster! Why wouldn't we have rooms? What have you heard? <laughs> Nothing. Other than oysters are delicious. It's true. I've never had... Can you... I, I, I am currently 19 years old and I have never had an oyster. Can you believe that? That is a crying shame, my boy! Now, is there any way that you can rectify that? And she'll look over to the side and see that there's like a plate ready to go out. She'll grab one of the oysters, press <laughs> one of her nostrils closed and go <laughs> and a little jet of flame <laughs> will like roast the oyster and then hand it. she'll hand it over to you and say straight back! Uh, that's a neat trick, and I want to flick it. I want to flick it in the air, uh, and then catch it in my mouth. Okay, give me a sleight of hand check. Okay, do it. Like out of the shell. Yeah, because she handed you like a half shell. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't know anything about oysters. Mm -hmm. That's fair. I mean, she made uh, the motion telling you to like slurp it straight back, but then you do this. Yeah. <laughs> but then you do this dumb thing instead. Dumb fucking thing. I got 12. Okay. So you flip the oyster up in what you think is like a super cool move. <laughs> the oyster splats into your face and then the shell hits you a moment later off the top of your head. And the dragonborn behind the bar will just go, <laughs> You don't need to be fancy about it, lad. I mean, I've never had one. I thought that's how you eat them. That's how I eat most of my food. <laughs> How on earth do you eat a sandwich like that? <laughs> very, very gracefully. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Anyways, uh, um, I'll have to I'll have to try one later. Um, anyway, uh, two rooms. How about how how much would two rooms uh, cost us? Two rooms at the Moody Oyster. Let's see real quick. Pull up my handy DM screen for, for two days. For two days, yes. Thank you. It will cost you, let's see, 16 silver per room for two days. So that will be a total of 32. So three gold and a couple of silver for two rooms for two days. And that is total, not free. That's for two rooms for two days. Okay. Three gold and two silver. I guess I'll pay since I'm talking at the bar. <laughs> And that will cover uh, your rooms, but it won't necessarily cover meals. That's fine. There's breakfast that's served in the mornings that you can enjoy, but the rest of the food will cost you. Okay. okay. 
as on top of any drinks you happen to order. The uh, Dragonborn introduces herself as Rosalina. Rosalina Clay. And apparently she is the head bartender here, though she is not the owner of this establishment. And uh, what type of Dragonborn did you say? Like, what, what, she's red? No, she's gold. Gold, okay. Okay. Um, all right. Well, we're going to go get situated in our uh, new rooms, and then we'll be right back down. Be looking forward to seeing you try to eat oysters again. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, I'll make it work. We'll see. <laughs> I'm going to try it exactly the same. <laughs> so I'm assuming since you only got two rooms, you split off two to a room? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how big the rooms are, but I figured four people in one room is probably not. Good might yeah. smell, honestly. Yeah. That's what I'm concerned about the most. The smell. rooms are fairly cramped, all things considered. There seems to be a boat motif going on in this okay. room. Each room um, is contains a bunk. Okay. Well, so, there is space for two people to sleep, but one would be on the floor and one would be on the the bunk itself. I I'm not sure how we want to split it up, but I get top bunk and I run into a room and I grab top. Bunk. I didn't say bunk beds. I just said a oh, bunk. Shit. It's like a a cot. Oh, there's just one cot yes. per, per room. Yeah, I I'll take a cot. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I guess if you guys uh, want I mean, to... I'm assuming... The rooms aren't super expensive. We could just go get two more. You can if you want. I've already paid for these two. <laughs> uh, whichever the one that isn't the one that Sid just ran into, <laughs> Tirza goes into and puts all her down. Okay. And s sits down on the cot. Uh, Grog yeah, goes just... back downstairs. Yeah, I'm just yeah. gonna go get another room. <laughs> Alright. Cherish goes and gets another room. Grawl, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm gonna go ask about another room, but I wanna ask if they have, what's the biggest room? Oh, you want the captain's suite, do you? Yeah, how much is that? That would be three gold a night, my boy. Done. Alright then. That'll be six gold for two nights then? Done. Alright. So, you get, you find out that there is a captain's suite on the third floor of this place. Perfect. And it is a large room with a massive king-sized bed that is circular. It looks as though there is a fainting couch, a chaise lounge, a wet bar that has, like, stocked drinks, and a balcony that overlooks the docks behind the moody oyster. So we could have all just stayed in this room. 100% yes. I go in there, and is there a lock on the door? Oh, yeah. I instantly lock the door. Yeah, yeah that's... Catcher just goes to the other regular room that she paid for and puts her stuff down and fucking immediately goes to... Okay, it is just past noon right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get some food. Okay, so Sid goes back downstairs to get some food. Yeah. Cherish takes a nap. Yeah. Tirza, what are you doing? Um, Tirza is gonna go to bed. 
food. Okay. Grawl? Um, he's going, Grawl's going to drop off a few things, uh, like, just like some, like, non-essential things that he's been carrying with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's going to grab a few things from the bar. Okay. There's all manner of liquor up here. Fantastic. Does, does Grawl know you usually have to pay extra? Grawl doesn't know that. <laughs> It's free, is it not? It's in the room. I paid for the room. It came with. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. That's how it um, works. Yep. You, no one's around to tell you otherwise. You lock the door. <laughs> you guys probably weren't going to come visit me, anyways. <laughs> but do you, do you want us to? Grawl, do you stay up in the the captain's suite? Like half an hour, and then I'm going to come down and get some chickens. Okay. So, Grawl, Sid, and Tirza are downstairs sharing. Or at least having meals, whether or not they're sitting together and sharing meals, I don't know. That's up to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'll sit with them. <laughs> Meanwhile, Cherish, you fall into a, 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 a sleep like a dead person. It's just an immediate, like, whoomp, out. Yeah. And as your mind drifts away into blissful sleep, you find yourself sitting on a charcoal stump in the middle of a blasted woodlands. Okay. The trees around you are blackened. The ground beneath your feet is glassy. As though a great fire swept through here. So there is no fire now. Um, I, what do I, like, it's like, it's like burnt forest as far as I can see. Yes. Okay. The smell of long dead flames lingers in the air, but the, the heat of this place isn't as cloying as the last time you were here. Um, so, yeah, if I'm making that connection that, like, oh, I'm I'm back where we had the first, second test, mm-hmm. then I'm kind of, like, I stand up and I'm, like, kind of on my guard a little bit, like, um, and I kind of carefully move east. Okay. As you do, the ground beneath your feet is rough, but also slick. Those glassy patches of stone make for treacherous footing. Occasionally you'll slip and slide on these very fine, blackened surfaces. And then other times you'll be crunching through what feels like fields of glass beneath your boots. As you move, the trees around you twist and warp in strange shapes. Their normal, straight forms given horrific new dimensions by just the sheer heat and winds of whatever fire swept through here. Mm -hmm. As you move eastward, that blackened, smothering smell becomes harsher and harsher. And 
the trees become thicker and thicker, twisting around each other in vile knots of charcoal. Eventually you're stopped in a bit of a clearing, because the way ahead of you is blocked by a tangle of these blackened trees. And as you stare at them, a shape begins to resolve, as though you are looking at one of those negative images where you can see the chalice or two faces staring at each other. At first, it's just the trees, but as you look at the negative space within those twisted, warped branches, you begin to see that burnt sigil, that warped, damned thing of the Azitahaka, as it was blasted in ash among the remains of that cultist. Mm. And That's not good. somewhere... Rumbling through the earth beneath you, a voice, less of a voice, more of an earthquake, less of an earthquake and more of a tempest of flame, says, Your fire dares to challenge mine. Great. And that is when you wake up. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I would be cool like that. And I think cool. for now, as Cherish wakes up from this sudden vision, dream, nightmare, who knows, that that'll bring this episode of Material Components to an end, and we'll figure out what happens on your great river adventure next time. Lots the party. Of, lots of sea shanties. <laughs> I'll have to prepare my sea shanties. Yes. Fair warning. There'll be several. Yes. So, anyone have anything to plug this time around? Mm. Ellie, anything? I, I don't. Uh, oh, God. And I like, was going to have this ready, too, because I did change my Twitter <laughs> handle and I don't remember. <laughs> Hold on. At Elliot C. Uh, Lewis? Oh, yeah. No, I know, because you, yeah, you've seen it. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Elliot C. Lewis, uh, and yes, that is all of that sentences. Um, as per usual, um, all of my stuff is same thing as usual. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at the Readimus. Uh, that's T H E R E E D I M U S. Um, I post pictures with cute dogs sometimes, and uh, I happen upon Twitter. So yeah. <laughs> um, come hang out on Twitter with me at cryoutolivia. I two days I think after airs. Uh, I'm starting. I'm GMing a game of Blades in the Dark that Cass is going to be in. So that's probably all I'm going to be talking about. Nice. <laughs> come come hang out. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, just um, wish good thoughts into the ether, and they will <laughs> message any of us, and we'll <laughs> or get it to him. <laughs> and of course, you can follow me at MK Gorgoni on Twitter. And if you want to listen to me uh, rapswaxodical about my love of comic books, you can do so over at my other podcast, Panel on Panels. 
And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at MatcomRPG. That's M-A-T-C-O-M-R-P-G. We also have an email, which is materialcomponentsrpg at gmail.com. We always love hearing from all of our listeners. So, uh, for now, that is all. So, goodbye, everybody. Have a good night. Bye.